Hi, I'm Gene Poole, ladies and gentlemen. I'm uh, broadcasting here from Transistor at uh, 5224 North Clark in Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> Andersonville. Um, so I did one podcast with Ty Hansen, and uh, it's going down very well with people. And um, evidently, I booked the room for today. <laughs> So I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. <laughs> um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I was born in 1958 on October 8th. And uh, my mom told me many times about uh, she like woke up in the delivery room. She had me at the age of 42. I'm the youngest of seven people. <laughs> anyway, so... She often told me like uh, that she woke up from the delivery and uh, she said like, who's that baby that's crying his heart out? <laughs> and they said, that's your baby. <laughs> anyway, oh my God. Uh, things are going pretty good for me. I had a very nice featured set at the Green Mill um, in the Poetry Slam. Uh, about a week ago and uh, anyway so I'm going to talk a bit about myself and play a few of my greatest hits so I left home at 17 and moved to Denver Colorado because I got in a lot of trouble and my license was taken away and uh, in Colorado I went uh, to a, a very amazing school where I w was able to do a lot of artwork and stuff and that was like always my mission in life to create visual art. And um, so I got a scholarship to the Kansas City Art Institute. And uh, I began, I, I started painting. I was, in, I was in foundations and then painting for, I think, just a year. And... Um, then I went into the sculpture department because they allowed like performance art and performance art was just becoming a thing uh, in Kansas City. And um, so I tried a lot of different things. Um, I'm not gonna belabor this point, but uh, I tried a lot of different things in my first critique with Dale Eldred. Um, <laughs> he, he said, this is the worst stuff I've seen all day. <laughs> And uh, so kind of in desperation, I pulled out these two drawings and which I had, uh, and he's like, this is the best things I've seen all day. <laughs> and uh, he said, you should do this all the time. I said, no, no, I don't think I can do that because I was really drunk when I drew these pictures. And um, so thus began, you know, my hard hitting foyer into, uh, performance art and visual art and um i am a i'm a conceptual artist but i also am a uh, i do stuff in in public so i can see the reaction that you know i began growing grass on clothes and cars in uh 1981 uh, another artist at the Kansas City Art Institute, uh, Michael Paha, I saw him growing grass on screens and in jars with no soil, and I was like fascinated because I grew up in a fairly rural setting. And so he taught me how to do this, 
and um, my first performance was uh, I had uh, I grew grass in a briefcase, and I had an actor come out on stage and loosen his um, tie and step into this briefcase like it was a portable park. <laughs> And uh, then I got the idea to grow grass on a suit of clothes and have someone chase me with a lawnmower. <laughs> so here's what happened, Andy. <laughs> I set up myself to uh, be at this, this shopping mall and have someone chase me with a lawnmower on the grass suits. But uh, I lost touch with Michael Paha and um, I started a grass suit and I really had no idea how to do it. I had it on on stands in my bedroom without any covering, and I used Kentucky bluegrass, which turns out takes 30 days to germinate. So um, I totally screwed it up. I got very mad at myself, and I said, like, maybe I shouldn't be an artist. Maybe I should be a doctor or something that matters, you know. And um, I threw that suit in the... Uh, garbage bag and I went down in my basement and I broke a lot of plates <laughs> so um then uh the next year I, I did actually do that I painted a lawnmower white and I did it I was able to grow a grass suit and um perform at the river bottom some the market there and um I was standing in this public bathroom and I put on a live grass suit for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. Like the smell and the roots grow through the fabric and it's sort of like touching your skin. And it's like, the greatest instance of being in a living thing other than the womb. <laughs> so um, then um, my girlfriend was mad at me and she, she was a photographer and she took some very awkward pictures of, of this event. But then the uh, next year, I, uh, 1982, I uh, bought a 76 Buick LeSabre for $25. And, um, uh, put it in, um, I was a chauffeur for these old spinster ladies named the Baez sisters, Evelina and, uh, Agnes Baez. So I, they had a black LTD and I would drive them to the country club and stuff. So I lived in the, the bottom floor of their duplex. So, um, I, in their garage, I put this Le Sabre and I built a tent around it that was very form-fitting and it was all on pulleys and stuff so I could raise it up to water and stuff so here's what happened Andy I covered this car in grass seed and then I put a black uh, sheet of plastic over it and um, in two days I spent a whole day with this grass car and uh, I pulled it out of the garage and it had sprouted maybe a quarter inch or so and um, had, because it had not seen any daylight, uh, I spent the whole day with this car and watched the grass grow uh, to about a half inch and turn green. 
and all. So I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> so um, there was a young lady across the street who I thought was extraordinary. Uh, <laughs> and her name was um, Julie Greenstreet. And so uh, about a week later, I brought her over, you know, and uh, showed her the grass car. And phew, she was so impressed. And then, um, so uh, I put out a press release in the third person talking about myself and make, trying to make myself seem like I was a, a, the real deal or whatever. And so on the day that I debuted this grass car, I had the Associated Press, UPI, and the other one. <laughs> and they came up. And uh, so here's what happened. Uh, I'm trying to start up the grass car and it won't start and the it had been wrecked a little bit in the front and so I had to like use a screwdriver to open up the hood I had to cut open the hood and I stole the batteries out of the the old lady's LTD <laughs> I stole the battery <laughs> and so um all this press is there and um this was on East 46th Street and so there's a, a Nancy Stark. I grew a grass suit and a grass dress. Nancy Stark was the uh, grass dress wearer. And so there's this famous photo um, of the garage filling up with smoke and her running <laughs> in the grass dress to get in the car. So uh, we appeared at, uh, in front of Boatman's Bank in downtown Kansas City and um it was just it was just a phenomenal my best friend beck regan was there and the next day the picture of the grass car was in newspapers all over the world my mom was in the hospital <laughs> she had like an operation or something it wasn't serious but she opened up the newspaper <laughs> there i was <laughs> So um, then uh, I was working for a guy named Gary Justice, and uh, I was digging ditches. I took a nap in this big stuffed chair I had. There was a room in this the ladies' apartment which was covered in velvet. It was a very lush kind of great place. So I fall asleep in this chair, and I get a call. It's from the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> And so they they did like a pre-interview, a phone interview with me. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, oh, damn, I kind of, that didn't go very well. So I went to Dale Eldred and I said, like, what do I do? And uh, Dale Eldred was a really important influence on tons of artists, you know, like, so I said, you know, what do I do? And, and he's like, well, uh, take those slides and your press release and send them overnight to the Johnny Carson show. And, um, but here's an important thing. He said, do you really want to do this? I was like, hell yeah. But I appreciate that he asked me that question. You know, that was brilliant. Okay, so... So I get a call the next day. We're, um, we're booking you for November 2nd. And this was like a month away. So I started watching the Johnny Carson show like every night. And I saw him just tear people up. <laughs> 
So then I go out there and um, I grow. I get a '67 Buick Riviera, and I put it in uh, um, uh, these people's garage who were uh, like cousins of my then art dealer Myra Morgan, right? So, and I sp I stayed up for like two days making the suits and making the car because they said they wanted the car on the show and um so anyway i'm gonna just cut to the chase they come in a limousine the night before they come in a limousine and that kind of i don't know why it kind of scared me you know but the limousine driver was very cool and they put me in a hotel near the studio and so so suddenly i'm in a green room um with a star on the door and my name <laughs> and then uh and i i didn't know what i didn't know about stage fright i didn't and but it hit me and it, and it felt like my heart was pumping jello <laughs> and i felt very almost tired and so suddenly like i'm there there's a curtain there's a little tv he's introducing me and a guy pulls the cur curtain open and i go out there and it went really well for me um johnny was just very funny and Ed, Ed mcmahon had some of the best jokes um one of johnny's lines was uh can i see something in a 42 dichondra <laughs> Um, so anyway, that was great. Uh, and it, it really was life changing. And I got on a plane the next day and people were like recognizing me and stuff. So for the next year, I went on all these TV shows and I was on a show in Canada called the claim to fame show with the female pig wrestling champion of North America and a guy who had canoed from the mouth of the Amazon, uh, you know, a, a guy who had a hundred-piece harmonica band, <laughs> and I won a Smith Corona typewriter <laughs> on the show. And did you experience any of that stage fright again? No, no, no. Once I knew how how it was manifest, uh, I was able to control it uh, uh, very much. My stage fright now is that I won't get on stage. <laughs> But you've been on stage recently. Yeah. No, no. I, I love, uh, I've been at the Green Mill. This Sunday will be my 30th open mic there. And um, it's my room now. I've got, I've got total control. And um, enough about that later. <laughs> Wrapped in a curtain in a hotel 
what you get for leaving too soon if I never stole your car. Think where you'd be now if you had So what's the name of that song, and how long have you been performing it? It's called Meteorite, and I wrote it in um, the 80s. And I had a four-track, and I would record the guitar, and then I would do like three, three other tracks of just vocals, and that's how I wrote a lot of my tunes. So here's what happened. I uh, I decided, like, I'm not growing any more grass cars. I don't want to be known as a grass man for the rest of my life. So I'm going to stop growing grass suits and cars and everything and uh, focus on some of my, like, my visual art and my painting. And so then I get a call. Um, Myra Morgan was my dealer and everything. She had an amazing gallery, which I worked at. And then uh, she put up twelve grand for uh, Robert Altman's cousin, to who was also a filmmaker, to make a film and everything of me in California. And we went around. I got to meet Chris Burton. We took um, the grass car, the the Riviera, to um, his college and everything. And so you know, it was a great thing. 
So then uh, I get this call from a um, Japanese uh, game show called Narahudo the World. They're offering me to come to Japan for their biggest show of the year, which is uh, New Year's Day, watched by 33 million Japanese. And so uh, they threw out something, and Myra countered, and they like basically doubled her offer and um they wanted her there they want her to come over to japan so i uh, went to japan and uh, i was in the area called um ginza and i learned how to sign my name in japanese and i learned some japanese and have you retained any of it <laughs> domo arigato <laughs> so uh I don't want to string this out too long, but I was very serious about my artwork. You know, though it was comedy, I was very like controlling of what I was doing. So um, they had they had made a greenhouse about 40 miles outside of Tokyo where uh, we grew two grass cars. And the, the one one was mine. And then they they had another car, which they put these uh japanese uh like bean sprouts on and they were pouring like gallons of this glue on there and i was like i told them i don't want nothing to do with this because <laughs> it's not gonna work <laughs> it worked <laughs> so then uh so, so what happens is I have a, this young, everybody's in their 20s, all the producers, everybody. My interpreter was in, uh, this young lady in her 20s, and they told me, okay, uh, I wanted uh, to grow grass, clothes, uh, grass on a, a lady's dress. So they get, kept giving me these skirts, and the grass seed would just fall right off of them. And I was like, after a while, you know, I got a little annoyed, after like three of those, and I said like, uh, so we got in this big fight through my interpreter in a Japanese Denny's, and I said, look, look, you know, they had asked me to grow like grass on a samurai hat and glasses and a kimono, and I said, you know, if y'all use that stuff, I'm not going on your show. <laughs> so I had them over a barrel, you know, because they said, the way they try to placate me was they said, like, uh, if we have a Japanese woman wearing grass clothes, like a t television personality, we thought it would upstage you, Gene, uh, Bill Harding. <laughs> so uh, so I go on the show, and uh, the host, he wore the kimono and the samurai hat and the glasses, and it was very funny. And it all worked out really well. And um, they they treated me so, they whined and dined me just to, to the point where I snuck away and went to a Wendy's just so I could have like some comfort food. And um, yeah, Japan's awesome. Naruhudo the world. All right, I'm gonna play a, another song if you don't mind. <laughs> Tried to repair, but we wouldn't dare lose the two of us. We tried to extend, 
but how to depend on one last side. We had an argument, it was a crossword puzzle. We blamed ourselves so that we could sleep. We're gonna sleep together, sleep alone in a bed we cover. Skin and bones, we're gonna dream our dreams, make our sides close together. That's a nice song. Yeah, that's uh, that's my staple now. You know, thank you. Okay, so um, we're gonna wrap this up fairly soon. And um, so in uh, nineteen eighty-five, like late eighty-five, I was in People magazine and with Diane Christensen wearing grass suits. So I get a call from uh, Adele Lutz, who's David Byrne's wife, and uh, they want me to be in this movie, True Stories. And so uh, I, I literally jumped off the ground, and I was just, because David Byrne has just been such a influence. He's, he's my generation's Elvis. He changed everything, you know. So uh, I drove down to Plano, Texas, and on the way I saw this this car on fire. Um, just in like Gary, Indiana, I saw this car like completely engulfed in flames. And my friend had uh, Tom Hook; he had given me a camera, and so I took all these pictures of this car. And um, then I'm on the way to. Uh, on the way to Texas, and I pick up these couple of hitchhikers, and um, they're like trying to, they uh, they stole my camera <laughs> with those pictures in it, which, and then I, I went and I confronted them, and I'm like. They were still with you? No, they I got them out of my van, uh, but they had rifled through all my stuff. So then, I, you know, I'm like, you know what? They stole my camera. I, I confronted them and I was like, I'm going to do this great movie. I don't want to get stabbed in the gut, you know, so I'm going to just leave it. <laughs> so I go down to uh, Texas, Plano, Texas, and uh, I get to meet David Byrne. And uh, I already knew uh, Joe Harvey Allen, who plays the lying woman 
in the movie from Kansas City. Uh, her husband is Terry Allen, a great, great country singer from Lubbock, Texas. Anyway, so, uh, oh man, it was amazing. I got to meet Spalding Gray, Swoozy Kurtz, John Goodman. Uh, funny story, like I went out, uh, I was hanging out with David Byrne's chef and the, the woman who put the big suit on him. Uh, and so we, we went by the railroad tracks and we put like pennies and quarters and stuff. And so we all went out to dinner like, and John Goodman was there. And uh, he was making everybody laugh. You know, he was just like so funny. And this was before anything, right? This was really his breakout movie, I think. So uh, uh, I, me and Laura, we were showing uh, David Byrne these, these, this money and stuff. Uh, that we had flattened on the railroad tracks and uh, David said why didn't you put a dollar bill on there <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> all right so then um, I ended up making uh, I ended up working with David Burns dad uh, and meeting his his mom hanging out with his mom while I was growing my grass suits down there and me and David Byrne's dad made uh, like the wedding, the, the cake hat. We built virtually like tons of those costumes that are in the movie and stuff. And um, I grew two grass dresses and one of them molded. So I was very, you know, like mold is, <laughs> um, what's that thing that Superman? Kryptonite. Yeah. Mold is my kryptonite. <laughs> so what is True Stories about? It's, it is a film about, like, what David Byrne, and uh, there was a lady that wrote it with him. I can't remember her name, but um, they went in the National Enquirer, and they picked, like, the characters in that movie are from the National Enquirer, like a lying woman, and um, Pop Staples plays, like, this shaman, and it, it's... I bartend at Simon's Tavern and um, these guys came in and I could tell they were filmmakers and one guy went to the bathroom and I was telling his friend like, uh, oh, I'm in True Stories. And he's like, oh, that's my friend's favorite movie. The guy who was in the bathroom? Yeah. And so he came back and I told him all about, you know, being in the movie and everything. And he said that uh, he would not be a filmmaker were it not for True Stories. Cause he saw it when he was like 13 and it is a very important film because uh, there's no sex or violence in it. It's just a completely optimistic, funny, gorgeous thing, you know, and, and the album is with it. It's very well done. And that soundtrack is the talking heads album that gives us wild, wild life, right? Uh, that is actually the song that uh, is be, uh, the backdrop to when I'm in the have the cameo in this film. Yeah, Wild Wild Life. Um, here is a pivotal moment of my life when uh, I was in that that fancy car that uh, with David Byrne, and we were on the way to the movie set. No, we were on the way to see the dailies, which are the the what they shot the day before right and um so i'm in this car with david Byrne, and i'm like oh my god what do i say to david Byrne? i 
I said to myself, I'm not going to say shit to David Byrne. You know, I'm going to leave him alone because he's busy. He's making a movie. And uh, so, like, we got to a point, he's like, I'm not going to the dailies. I'm going to the set. So he dropped me off at the dailies. And uh, there, uh, after, and I saw uh, tons of Pop Staples uh cuts you know in the dailies and um and and so uh then i end up in the back seat of a car with pop staples and i showed him some of like my artwork and stuff and he was just this is an important moment in my whole life because um my mom exuded love to everyone you know to every baby she saw she had to hold and <laughs> And Pop Staples was just the same way. He just really generated a lot of love to, to everyone and to me. And um, I had no idea who he was. And then uh, we stayed in touch for four or five years. As I said in Ty Hansen's podcast, yeah, it was a very important part of um, my evolution. And then you're in the movie. I'm in a cameo. They have um, a couple and maybe a child coming out in um, AstroTurf suits. And then me uh, and this girl, Kim Harriman, uh, came out in live grass suits, you know, and she had it on a dress. And um, when we were filming, one of the, I don't know, somebody told me to like comb my hair. I had a kind of a short haircut. And uh, they said, David, David wants you to like comb your hair over. And uh, so they did that. And then I walked away and I was like, "Musted up. <laughs> so um, he tried it on. We took a lot of pictures. Um, but uh, me and Adele Lutz, uh, we have remained friends. And she has, uh, she ordered like 13 grass suits from me like three years ago. Uh, for a um, kind of a tableau thing she was doing about the first humans to wear clothes. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've remained in touch. She's also from Ohio, you know. So you still make grass items from time to time. That's not something you left behind in the 80s and 90s. No, I love it. Now I've, I've grown grass on a bunch of weird stuff recently. Um, I grew grass on a porcelain duck. <laughs> I grew grass on a um, some high-top uh, converse and uh, just a bunch of crazy stuff, you know. It's amazing. I, I did grow a, a grass jacket and tie for uh, Midsummer Fest this year. I will do one more song, but um, here's the thing. Since my show at the Green Mill, since my featured set... Everything's changed for me, you know, like since since I was on the Johnny Carson show, I was like, I want to be I want to be an entertainer, you know, and since my set over there, I finally feel like an entertainer. Things fell into shape perfectly. I was over here. Um, I'm in a band called Stunt Double. With a 13-year-old prodigy and his 16-year-old brother. 
And so the day of the Green Mill show, I came here to Transistor and uh, I was trying to warm up my guitar playing <laughs> in the practice room, which, by the way, it's only $10 an hour per person, so it's very affordable. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I was playing some terrible guitar and uh, it's because my band's in Switzerland. <laughs> and... Uh, but things really fell into place. I got so many compliments, and uh, uh, you know, I've ha I've bombed, I bombed twice hard at the mill. You know, I dislike the element of uh, competition in art, and that's why I didn't go to the Green Mill for years. Even though uh, Mark Smith performed some of my poems, I sent a a, a book of a hundred poems over there. And he was uh, playing them, you know, he was singing them, or I mean, <laughs> reading them. So uh, I went to the 30th reunion uh, with, with Jessica Cutts, the, the 30th anniversary of the Poetry Slam. And I was just like, oh my God, it's on, I'm coming here, you know. So I'm, in, I'm totally into it. I've learned a lot. Mark Smith is uh, an American treasure. He really is actually international, you know, since there's poetry slams all over the world. And he started the Green Mills Poetry Slam? Yeah, he started it. He started it at the Get Me High Club, which was in uh, Lake Wicker Park or Bucktown. All right, I'm going to do one more song and we're going to shut this down. <laughs> Until you go insane Wherever you go I will follow You can give me a bath We can go for a walk You know I'm your best friend Even though that we don't talk Wherever you go, oh, 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 this is where it gets a little rough. Wherever you go, you've been picking my hair off your sweater. My breath is not nearly as bad as your perfume. You know I have a way, you know I have a way with intruders. I'll stay in my room Wherever you go I will follow Better T-bone stay Cause you can't hide Well I may have thrown up On the sofa But I was born to be Born to be right by your side yeah, right by your side In the endless highways In the endless dog days Master, can you let me in? Yeah, let 
What's that song called? It's called Dog Years. And does that one go back to the 80s too? Yeah. I wrote it in, uh, in Kansas City uh, right before I moved to Chicago. And have you recorded these songs? Some of them, like, uh, um, not well, not to my satisfaction. That's what I'm planning on in the next year is getting some grants to make recordings. So when did you move to Chicago? Um, the first time I moved to Chicago was in 83 and I had a band called Third Wish with Taylor Ross. And, um, then I soon, uh, I hooked up with David Jackson and who's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and also an amazing guitarist. And we made a band called Hand to Mouth and, um, we made a bunch of stuff together, like albums and whatnot. We, our staple, our house was Phyllis's Musical Inn. We played there at least once a month for years. Yeah, um, uh, I've been, been among some very great talents. I'm a very lucky person, you know. And then you came back to Chicago at some point. I moved back here from uh, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, on Thanksgiving Day, 2012. Chicago's the greatest city on earth, hands down. I've been all over this world, and this is the most soulful, great city with the best food <laughs> on earth and the best people. So I'm Gene Poole, and... Uh, there's a little gene pool in all of us. Sorry about that. I'm the totality of all human genes. Blanket apologies. We're going to close this down. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much.